Hi, and welcome to the Lympha Press Leadership Series, where we're talking to people who are making a difference in the worlds of lipedema, lymphedema, chronic venous insufficiency, and wounds. People that either have organizations or practices that are raising awareness and making a positive impact on the patient population. Today, I'm honored to interview someone who's a friend. Betty Westbrook is a certified lymphedema therapist, and you all know her well from her many involvements with charitable endeavors, but today we're focusing on Lymphedema Podcast. Betty, so nice to have you here. Hi, Brenda. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. So tell me about Lymphedema Podcast. How old is it? When did it begin? What's the backstory? So Lymphedema Podcast is my first baby. And in 2019 is when the first episodes launched and I started planning over the summer of 2018 after being a lymphedema therapist for just a couple of years. And so I originally created it as a way to not repeat myself. If I'm really honest, I would tell my patients, Hey, I have an episode on cellulitis, or I have an episode on skincare, or we have this episode talking about bandaging. And so it was a way for me to send myself home with my patients without, you know, that awkward going home with my patients or having to give my cell phone number out too many times. But what really came about it is that I now in, um, what I believe is my fifth season of the podcast, I have not run out of ideas and I am on over a hundred episodes and the thoughts and the topics and the importance, it just keeps coming. So as long as the ideas keep coming, I think episodes will also keep coming. So that's what led you really to your current role. And you were doing this while serving as a practicing certified lymphedema therapist? Yes, I was in an outpatient rehab treatment center and I was a lymphedema therapist and I really had to get myself educated. I mean, the course was a great uh, starting point, but as all of us clinicians know, there's what there's much more that needs to come after and there's continuing education that needs to happen. And it's not easy to come out of the certification program um, if you don't have mentors and additional therapists with you. And so that's something I enjoy about the podcast is that in a way I have people reach out to me and it's so fun. Um, to get a comment or an email saying, Hey, you really helped me learn about this product, or you really helped me learn about this tip with bandaging. And so it's like, I've been able to mentor others. And one of my favorite quotes is be the change you want to see. And so I feel like in a way I have created a product, a service through the podcast. That was what I needed when I began as a CLT. So hopefully it will continue that reach for therapists and patients alike and even caregivers because there's some special topics for the caregivers. That is such a great aspect that oftentimes can get forgotten in the mix. Before we go any further, how can people find the podcast? Because right now they're thinking, oh, I want to find out more about cellulitis. Oh, I need to find out about this or that. So where do we find you? So I wanted it extremely easy to find. So it's called Lymphedema Podcast, and it is on pretty much every streaming service for podcasts. I know Apple is primarily the podcast service that I use, but it's also on Spotify. 
and Google Podcasts. And then if you just want to go straight to the computer, lymphedemapodcast.com. I have a website and on the website is a full directory of every podcast ever done. And you can search by topic or by number or by guest or by keyword. So any way you want to find it, you can probably pull up an episode. So what is your approach to interviewing? Because I'm interested as someone who does interviews all the time, do you study your guest in advance, come up with predetermined questions, or do you just let the conversation flow? Well, I'm a little too type A to just let conversation flow. I've gotten much better over the years that I no longer type out an entire um, outline. And I used to have the introduction typed with the guest's introduction. I would research them. Um, Usually I would invite people that I already knew or had known of for a little while. And then I had a, a guest from a brand that wanted to highlight one of their champions. And we had just not had time to connect before. And he was the first time I just interviewed someone and was like, hey, just met hope this goes well. Let's go. So I've gotten a little bit more comfortable at saying, okay, here's the topic. Here's three or four questions. And can I now have a form that I say, can you fill this form out? And I'm much more relaxed. I'll let my guests introduce themselves. I used to think it was rude to have them introduce themselves. um, But now I find that it's interesting because they will say things about themselves that maybe I don't know, or I couldn't find. And I find that to be really interesting. And um, it's just a good way to let them kind of warm up too. Always found that when people introduce me, they get my name wrong. It's always Viola instead of Viola. <laughs> and they focus on things that I don't think are important at all. So I always like being able to introduce myself. And I think that that's interesting insight into how you approach your podcast. Do you have a mission, core values, mission statement, or something of the like when it comes to lymphedema podcast? So a few things that come to mind when I was thinking about that question is my closeout for the podcast is a quote by Mother Teresa that says, loneliness is the most terrible poverty. And so this podcast is here for those people who feel like they're alone on a journey, that they're not, that you have support. If you're the therapist, you're not alone. And if you are the patient, you're not alone. If you're the caregiver of a loved one, you're not alone. There's a whole circle of us out there like ready and waiting. And so I guess as a core value, I just want to come alongside and provide education first. So a lot of the things uh, I'm really particular on who will come on the show as a guest. And I'm really particular in the content that I share if it's just me providing education. So I do a lot of research and I take that very seriously. And so education is the first thing, but then also having it be relatable and comforting. Those are the two things that I really hope that people get is they leave educated and they leave encouraged. You helped us launch the Lymphedema Patient Roundtable, and we so appreciate the time that you invested with that. And I always loved how you were able to take complex ideas and make them super understandable. Does that come along with being a mom of a toddler? I don't know. I had that ability, I guess, for a while because as a clinician and in school, even as a PTA, before I was a lymphedema therapist, 
Um, something they say is that you have to be able to explain complex things in the most simple way. And maybe it's because I kind of have a simple mind myself that I really want to break it down and I have to know it very well to be able to tell someone and know that I'm telling them correctly and that they will then be able to apply it. And so there have been plenty of times throughout my career where I will say, you know, that makes me think of, and then I'll give the example and do a comparison and they're like, yeah, that makes sense. And so I don't know, it's a talent that I have. Um, I'm proud of it because it helps me in conversation a lot and it helps me to be relatable and there's really nothing worse if anyone can relate to meeting a doctor, meeting mm. a clinician, or even just meeting your tax accountant or something. And they're just talking way over your head and you don't understand what they're saying. So being able to relate to people and get on whatever that level is, is really the best way to make that connection. I love that you bring that. And I, you know, when you say a simple mind, that is in no way diminishing your intellect, it actually is a credit to your intellect to be able to synthesize important and complex information in an understandable way. It's providing such a wonderful service. We have two audiences for this interview, patients and clinicians. What would you want patients to know about your work with Lymphedema Podcast? That full spectrum, you can learn just about anything from the podcast, particular to your lymphedema. If it's primary lymphedema, we have interviews on that. If it is secondary lymphedema, we have interviews on that. Um, many, many patients struggle with um, intimacy and sexuality, and we have an interview on that. Wound care, um, traveling, all the things that people want to continue doing while fighting and thriving with their lymphedema, they can find an episode on that. And last year, it's going to be hard to top it this season, but I'll try. Last year was probably my favorite two series ever I've done. And I started the podcast last year um, on medical trauma with an interview with um, Allison. She's a medical trauma specialist, a licensed professional counselor. And we talked about medical trauma. And then as it relates to children, because a lot of kids go through testing at a young age when they're diagnosed with lymphedema, but also adults have it too, you know, um, something can happen. And so it is really traumatizing for you to go back into a medical um, environment. So that was one of my favorites. And then I did a three, four part series on grief and that all time favorite because I broke it down with Marshall, my guest on patient grief, therapists, so practitioners griefed, parents grief, um, and partner grief. So you see the whole thing come together. And that was really just one of my, I mean, it, I'm going to talk about it forever and ever. It'll be my favorite series because we don't think about the things that our partners go through. We don't think about our caregivers sometimes. And so patients, we have a lot of information for you on the podcast and it's not just going to be geared toward therapists. In fact, I bet most of my episodes are patient geared more than therapist geared. I want to talk about the clinician side of it and, and what you would want clinicians to know, but getting back to this grief topic, which is 
deep because we often think of grief in relationship to a loss of life, but it's loss, period. Perhaps loss of the life you once knew. Yes. That was a profound lesson for me in this because grief by definition is the loss of life. So grieving the loss of a loved one or sometimes a pet. Um, and so there was research that went into it and I found like 13 types of grief. And that was probably one of my first questions to Marshall was, okay, so grief in Webster says this, but when I look up grief, there's so many types of grief. And so, um, you can grieve a loss of a relationship. Um, so say partner and patient, you may be grieving some of that intimacy that you once had, and you're trying to reconnect or you're grieving the person that they were because now in this light of their medical condition, they are a new person. And it's not that it's a bad person or a less than person, but it's a new person. Huh. And then the same with the caretaker and the partner, they are grieving the role that they used to have as the partner now becoming the caretaker. And so it's a whole thing. Um, and it really stemmed from me having I think I edited it out, but I had a whole breakdown um, in a podcast interview, an emotional just cry fest um, when I happened to look at the calendar in the top right of my computer while doing an interview and the product that we were talking about, it made me think of a patient of mine that was very close to, and I thought this would have helped her so much. And I looked up. And it was the anniversary of her passing the day that I looked up and I just realized life had been going so fast and so hard that I just shoved it down and acknowledged it. I went to her funeral and I remember grieving, but it hit me and I just lost it in an interview like this. I just started crying. I was like, guys, I'm sorry. I need to take a minute. And I told them what happened and they were very kind. And they said, you know, it's not talked about enough that clinicians grieve the loss of their patients. Mm. And so we did a whole episode. Mine and Marshall's conversation was on grieving our patients. And I will never do this again because the most profound thing I learned with Marshall was that as a clinician, we're told be professional. And I could think back to the treatment room. I can see in my mind right now, where the patient was sitting, where I was sitting, I'm holding a clipboard and they are talking about their um, cancer treatment and they're sobbing and they're heartbroken and they're discouraged. And I just kept a straight face. I said, it's going to be okay. I'm going to take this measurement and I'm going to come back and we're going to do MLD and I'm going to get you in your bandages. I'm going to step out for a minute. And I went and cried at my desk by myself. And I left this poor patient in the room to cry alone because you're told by upper management and by, you know, hospital continuing education courses to be professional and don't show emotion and, you know, don't get attached to patients, but that's real BS. And never again will I rob my patient of being a human with them. And so that's what I learned a lot of out of my grief episode for clinicians is that I just never want to rob them of that and letting them know, you know, I'm a human too. I hurt for you. I'm going to sit here and hurt with you. And now I'll do this thing. And I haven't had the chance in a while because I'm not in clinic, but 
I'll just say, you know what? We're going to go about 10 minutes. If, if I don't have 10 minutes, I'll do five, but we're going to do a few minutes. You can just cry. You can cuss. You can yell. You can talk about your aunt. You can talk about your cousin. You can talk about your doctor. And then we're going to start over. And so we kind of do that. Um, <clears throat> and I'm just thankful that I got some of those opportunities with patients to do that. Um, but also knowing in the future that I will, I will do better. And I hope it's teaching other clinicians to do better too. This gave a really powerful message to clinicians out there. And one of my credos has always been people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care and demonstrating that care combined with your knowledge is a powerful duo. Any other messages for the clinicians that are watching today? Don't stop learning and share this episode, not this episode, but share the podcast with your patient if it's an episode that's helped you. So if it's something that's helped you understand, and I'll be the first person to tell you that the podcast and shares and likes and subscribers and things I don't really keep up with. I only do it whenever I'm seeking sponsorships and I need to show that, Hey, this is an effective thing and people like it. Um, I don't personally follow that or care about numbers or any of those things, but what I do want is for patients to know that there's a resource. And so the best way that clinicians can get them this resource is just to share it with them because some people don't understand how to work a podcast. I have downloaded um, episodes for patients. Um, I have set up their, you know, Spotify account or whatever it is that they needed just to kind of help them have it. And they'll go through and listen because then they can educate themselves, their family members, their mm -hmm. medical community, their doctors, um, eye doctors. There's an episode in there about the dental community, um, all these things. So all the ways that you can help start with sharing it with your patients um, so that they know about the resource. Excellent. So when you think about this venture starting lymphedema podcast, and there was nothing like it that existed before, is there a success story that comes to mind that just lightens your heart and makes you say, well, it was worth it. I, I'm working on an interview now, um, that's going to go out in March. That is, with Brooke Bielman. She's a speech language pathologist and we have a mutual follower. I guess that's the, they subscribe to the podcast Instagram and they subscribe to Brooke's Instagram. And it was a little over a year ago that I got a message from her and she's a primary lymphedema patient. And she said that I, you know, helped with her learning of lymphedema and her education on like how to be responsible and advocate for herself, responsible for her care, I should say, and to advocate for herself. And then in learning through Brooke, because she was already in college, she wanted to become a speech language pathologist and she found Brooke's account talking about SLP. And so she focuses a bit on head and neck lymphedema and the swallowing studies of that. And so it's cool to talk with Brooke and to share this connection that in two different worlds of lymphedema somehow someone found both of us and kind of pulled it together that you know she was encouraged and inspired to live like this happy and full life and learn more about her condition and then she was already passionate and interested in speech language pathology and now as 
a lymphedema patient herself, she will then take her professional career and include the elements of head and neck lymphedema in her speech language pathology career. So that's pretty cool. That's one of quite a few, um, but I really do like that one a lot, that it's just sweet, that mm. it's just a connection of the dots. And that's really yeah. all this whole you just took the. That is, ex I was going to say, that is a perfect example of connecting the dots and how gratifying that is. That is so wonderful. So do you have a wish list? Is there perhaps an interview that you would love to do? Maybe that person, we can get them to watch this interview and you can get them booked on your show. What do you think? What's on your wish list? You know, one of the first things that comes to mind is that I would love to talk with Kathy Bates about her journey. Um, mm. I would like to see her perspective and just hear her perspective because I hear the perspective a lot of everyday people who navigate lymphedema and are on that journey. And I just wonder, you know, what is that like? And you know, Hollywood and the limelight and living her life. And I was really fortunate to be at one of the Harvard symposiums that she spoke at um, when she was a keynote speaker. And honestly, I barely made it because I guess I'm like allergic to lobster or something. Every time I go to Boston, if I eat lobster, I get food poisoning or I get sick or something. Mm. And I missed all of the seminar except for like the hour I was in there to listen to Kathy Bates. Cause like I came here from Texas. I'm not missing this chance. And so I was very sick. Anyways, wish guest wish list. I'm actually interviewing Gunter Close and he's been on my wish list for a while. I would love to talk with Joe Zuther and I would love to do some international episodes mm. with people, you know, from the ILF, um, or maybe even, um, like some of the doctors. So like the, um, plastic surgeons, maybe Dr. Campisi would be a fun one, um, just to kind of interview some different people because I love, you know, the, the word lymphedema is, you know, lymphodema, uh, lymphoedema, uh, you know, just various pronunciations where you are. And I've seen that treatment varies a little bit from where you are. And so I would love to talk to some different individuals internationally and get their approach to, I think that would be just really Interesting. I well, I have no doubt that you will do it. I, some of those names are on my wish list too, but I am rooting for you. And so is Lympha Press. So, what's the one takeaway you want to leave our audience with, Betty Westbrook? This is back to that Mother Teresa quote that loneliness is the most terrible poverty. And you do not have to do this alone. You just have to take that first step to get into community and educate yourself, educate those around you. And I have seen so many kind hearts and generous people in the lymphedema community that have come together just to help, you know, get to know someone. Um, you know, I think we did an episode of the lymphedema Roundtable, some circle around mental health, I think, is one of the topics I'm remembering. And a lot of the comments were so similar from the people who were uh, messaging in 
And a lot of the panelists who are patients, they were like, yeah, been there. I am there. I'm doing this. I've had suicidal thoughts. I've had severe depression. Um, I've thought about divorce because my marriage is, you know, struggling from it. And so you're not alone. And I just hope that that is the message that the podcast gives. Um, And I'm so thankful that it's just out there on repeat and anyone anywhere can get it because while some of the audio was, you know, not the best and I've had my own like learning curve of, you know, how to interview and how to do audio and all these things, um, the content is really good. And a lot of the messages are really important. So I hope that they find that and they find the community along with it. Betty Westbrook, thank you so much for being here today. It was such a pleasure. You really are one of the leaders that we need to be focusing on and raising your profile. It's an honor always. Thank you, Brenda. And thank you for tuning into this edition of the Leadership Series sponsored by Linda Press. We'll see you next time. Have a great day.